Welcome back to the Understanding Childhood Cancer podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff, and like I always say, I wish you weren't listening to this podcast because it probably means that someone you love has been affected by a form of childhood cancer. And today I'm going to speak about brain tumors, and surely there's few things that can fill a parent with horror the way that sort of news. Your child has a brain tumor can and indeed it's it's bad news it's a bad day and uh, I can't I can't take away from the horror that parents feel I hope today though that I can give you some information about brain tumors in children and in some cases I hope that you can find some positive news in what I've got to say because the key thing is that there are different types of brain tumors that occur in children and they have a different type of cell under the microscope and the outlook for them can be very, very different. So there are children's brain tumors that are very readily cured and of course there are some that are not. So I'm not going to mince words today but I do want you to know that you can't generalize about children's brain tumors. There are different types of tumors And like I said, they are different to adults with brain tumors. So perhaps you've had some experience of a relative, an adult relative that had a brain tumor. And it's important that you not generalize that experience to what you might expect when a child is being treated for a brain tumor. So first of all, what is a brain tumor? Well, a tumor is uh, any sort of a growth that occurs in the body. And in the brain, there are all sorts of different cells There's nerve cells, there's other cells called glial cells or astrocytes that are not nerve cells but are there to support the nerve cells. There's all sorts of different cells. And if one of those cells starts to grow in an uncontrolled fashion, then that forms a tumour. And so a brain tumour is the uncontrolled growth of a cell in the brain that multiplies and multiplies and eventually forms a lump in the brain. And that lump can do different things. It can compress the normal brain around it and stop the normal brain from working properly. It can cause high pressure within the brain. It can stop the fluid that's meant to move throughout the brain from doing the right thing. And so there's all sorts of ways that a brain tumor causes trouble. Now brain tumors are actually the commonest form of tumor in children. The commonest form of malignancy overall is childhood leukemia. Remember I said that about 1 in 600 children will get cancer or leukemia between birth and the age of about 16 years. And about 30% of that is made up of leukemia. Well, of the non-leukemia tumours, brain tumours are the most common. And about 20% of childhood cancer is made up of brain tumours. Now, the bad news is that We've got much better at treating leukemia and we haven't made as much progress in treating brain tumours. We've made plenty of progress in treating brain tumours but we haven't made as good progress as we have in leukemia. So even though brain tumours are a bit less common than leukemia, it turns out that more children die from brain tumours each year than die from leukemia. Now, how do children turn up when they have a brain tumour, that is, what do they show up to the doctors with? What do they complain of? 
One of the most common ways a child presents with a brain tumour is with a headache. Now, children get plenty of headaches. and Most of the time when children have a headache, it's not a brain tumour. The headache, though, that we see with brain tumours is one that goes on and on and on. It doesn't tend to be a bad headache one day, but a headache that persists and persists for weeks, maybe. And particularly a headache that persists and is out of character for any other headaches that the particular child has had. You know, some children get headaches and and their migraine or other causes of headache, but a, a change in pattern of the headache or headaches in a child that never got headaches before and then they persist and persist and worsen, well, these are sort of some of the things that might ring alarm bells. In particular, the headaches that you get with brain tumours may be due to raised pressure within the brain And one thing about raised pressure within the brain is that often it's worse in the morning and it slowly improves as the day goes on. I wouldn't say that's always the case, but that's often the pattern. Another way that brain tumours present is through the tumour compressing some of the normal brain and, and stopping that part of the brain from working. And in this case, it depends, well, where is the tumour and what part of the brain is it affecting So it may be in an area of the brain that controls moving the arm or the leg. And if the tumour compresses those nerves, well, then there may be some weakness of the arm or the leg. Or it may affect the nerves that are meant to be going, say, to your eyes or to your face. And so the child may develop a squint, you know, where the eye doesn't look straight anymore. I don't mean if every child with a squint has a brain tumour, but a child that had perfectly normal eyes and then all of a sudden develops a squint, well, that would be a time to think, hmm, should we look more closely? Or another way that brain tumours present, according to the textbooks, and I've seen this, is with a head tilt. So that is a child that suddenly starts walking around with their head tilted off to one side. I'm not quite sure why they do this, but I think it's sometimes because their eye movements have become abnormal and so they get double vision unless they hold their head at a funny angle and that fixes up the double vision. Sometimes the head tilt I think is caused by some pain and the pain is relieved through holding the head at a funny angle. Now there's plenty of other causes for head tilts. Children who sleep the wrong way in bed can have a head tilt. There are abnormalities of the muscle in the neck for instance that can cause a head tilt but it's a classic way that brain tumours can present. A common way that brain tumours present is with something called hydrocephalus. I might do a whole podcast on hydrocephalus, but let me explain what it is. In your brain, you have these cavities in the middle of the brain that are filled with fluid, and the cavities are called ventricles. And there's ventricles in the top of the brain, and that's where the fluid is made that fills these cavities, these things called ventricles. So the fluid is made in the ventricles at the top of the brain, and then the fluid has to flow from those ventricles down into another ventricle, down a narrow little passageway into another ventricle, and eventually the fluid leaks out of the brain through some other narrow passageways and ends up being that fluid that goes down around the spinal cord and eventually around the surface of the brain. So the fluid starts on the inside of the brain, trickles down to the bottom of the brain, comes out of the brain, wraps around the spinal cord and the surface of the brain. 
and eventually gets absorbed back into the bloodstream on the surface of the brain. Now, if a tumour is in the wrong place, the tumour can block that fluid from flowing from the top of the brain down to the bottom of the brain and out of the brain. Now, even though it's blocked, the fluid production continues up there in the ventricles at the top of the brain, and so fluid builds up and up and up and up, and eventually we have a whole lot of fluid in those ventricles that's under pressure. So the ventricles have to get bigger and bigger because they're filling up with fluid, and then the pressure builds up and up within the brain. And that's what you call hydrocephalus. There are other causes for hydrocephalus, by the way, there are children that are born with abnormalities of the passageways and so they can get hydrocephalus. There's all sorts of other reasons to get hydrocephalus. But it is a way that brain tumours present. And children with hydrocephalus usually have headaches. The headaches are usually worse in the morning and they may get slowly better as the day goes on. They may be associated with vomiting and they may be associated with drowsiness. But if the hydrocephalus gets more and more severe, everything gets worse and worse and things can end up life-threatening and in need of emergency surgery. And so that's a common presentation for a brain tumour. And so oftentimes we see the child present with hydrocephalus because of the blockage of fluid. Not weakness in the arm or weakness in the leg because of where the tumour is, but hydrocephalus from the blockage of fluid. And again, typically with headaches, vomiting, drowsiness, and commonly it's worse in the morning. But anyway, the child presents uh, to the healthcare system and eventually some sort of a scan is done. It's either a CT scan or an MRI scan and it reveals the tumour and it may reveal the presence of hydrocephalus. And it's at this point that the family doctor or the paediatrician will normally be straight on the phone to a neurosurgeon. Because it's neurosurgeons, brain surgeons, they're the ones that normally are the first to be involved in the care of a child with a brain tumour. And the first thing they need to do is work out, is there an actual acute emergency here? Now the presence of a brain tumour is obviously a very serious thing. But sometimes it's a very serious thing because things couldn't go wrong within a matter of hours or days. For instance, if there is hydrocephalus and raised pressure... This could be something that needs to be dealt with immediately in the middle of the night because there may be an acutely deteriorating situation. So the first thing the neurosurgeon has to do is deal with any acute problem. And if there is that sort of hydrocephalus, before they even go near the tumour, what they may need to do is reduce the pressure. And often they'll do that by giving some dexamethasone. That's one of the steroid medicines that reduces swelling in the brain. But they may have to do an emergency operation just to reduce the pressure. And sometimes that involves putting a drain through the skin and through the bone and into the ventricles to drain fluid out by the side of the bed. Or sometimes it's a different sort of an operation. It might be a shunt. It might be something called a third ventriculostomy. There's a few different options, and I'll probably talk about these later on. But in any event, the surgeon needs to deal with any acute emergency and Reducing pressure, particularly from hydrocephalus, is often the one that needs to be dealt with first. Once the patient is stable, then they can go on to consider, well, what to do about diagnosing what sort of tumour is it that we're dealing with. Now, there are some tumour types where the diagnosis can be made just by looking at the MRI scan. 
That is, the appearances are so classic that we can tell what sort of tumour it is just by looking at the scan, and we don't need a biopsy, we don't need to take out the tumour, we know what sort of tumour it is straight away, and then we can work out what to do. There are other tumours where the scan appearances tell you it's a tumour, but you can't be sure what sort of tumour it is, and then we need some sort of operation to take a sample of the tissue, give it to the pathologists, and work out what sort of tumour it is. These operations to get some of the tumour tissue are big operations. Many of these operations are very long. They can go on for hours and hours and hours. In many cases, a surgeon will make an attempt to remove the tumour completely. In some cases, that can't be done, or it's dangerous to do it, or we don't quite need it removed. We just need a sample of the tissue. So it really depends on a lot of different considerations as to whether the surgeon will go in and just take a little sample of the tumour, or will the surgeon go in and try to remove as much of the tumour as possible. So then we get to the different types of tumour. And I'm going to do podcast episodes on every single one of these uh, separately. But today I'll just tell you about them. As with all tumours, there are tumours that are benign and tumours that are malignant. Benign means that it's not a true cancer tumour. That is, it's not the sort of tumour that grows quickly, invades aggressively into the surrounding brain and doesn't spread elsewhere into the brain or into the spinal cord away from the main tumour. That's what you mean by benign tumour. Not really cancer. Under the microscope, it doesn't look like cancer. The cells don't have all the nasty-looking features of cancer. That's what you call a benign tumour. The problem is that some benign tumours are in bad locations in the brain. So even though they're not malignant, they're not cancer as such, if they are in the wrong place, they can still cause a lot of trouble by compressing normal parts of the brain or blocking fluid, etc. So benign is good, but it may still be problematic depending on the location of the tumour. Then, of course, there are brain tumours that are true malignant tumours, cancer tumours, Under the microscope, the pathologist says, yes, this is a malignant tumour. The cells look nasty, aggressive, proliferating, growing quickly. And the tumour is the sort of tumour that grows quickly, that invades the surrounding brain and can sometimes spread to elsewhere in the brain or spinal cord. So there's benign and there's malignant. So let me tell you the different tumour types now. One of the more common brain tumours in children is something called medulloblastoma. Medulloblastoma. Like most pediatric tumours, it's got a funny name that emerged in history and doesn't really make very much sense. It's a tumour in the bottom part of the brain. And I should mention, by the way, that that's one key distinction between pediatric tumours and adult brain tumours. Adult brain tumours tend to be in the top part of the brain. You know, if you put your hand on your head, well, the brain that's immediately under the skin and bone there, that's called the cerebral cortex. That's where adults tend to get brain tumours, up there in the top of the brain. Now, children get tumours in that location, but children also get tumours in the bottom part of the brain, an area of the brain called the posterior fossa. So if you put your hand on the back of your head, sort of between your ears, 
where your head meets your neck, in there, that's where your posterior fossa is, the bottom part of the brain, and that's where paediatric tumours often develop. And by the way, that's an important area for that uh, cerebrospinal fluid to get out of your brain and then down to the spine. That's where the fluid all flows out, and that's why children's tumours often cause hydrocephalus, because they're just in the wrong place to block fluid. So medulloblastoma, that's a tumour that is a malignant tumour. It develops in the posterior fossa. It can spread to the spinal cord and elsewhere in the brain. And it normally requires a big operation to remove it and then chemotherapy and radiation therapy. The next brain tumour to mention is something called an ependymoma. Ependymoma. The ependymal cells are the cells that are on the lining of the ventricles. So that's called the ependymal lining. That's the, the coating of the ventricles filled with fluid. So ependymoma was originally thought to be a tumour of one of those cells. Now, is it really? I don't know if we know still, but that's what we used to think. Anyway, ependymoma is another paediatric brain tumour. It can develop in the posterior fossa, just like a medulloblastoma. Or it can develop elsewhere. It can develop in the top of the brain, close to the ventricles. It can develop in the spinal cord. And it varies in its malignancy. Most of the time we think of it as a malignant tumour. And uh, most of the time we hope that the surgeon can cut it out and then we may give radiation therapy. There are ones that are less malignant in their appearance. It's a long and complicated discussion. Another type of brain tumour in children is something called a glioma. Remember I talked about adult brain tumours typically occurring in the top of the brain. Well, most adult brain tumours are gliomas, and mostly they're malignant gliomas and malignant glioma in the top of the brain. Children get those sorts of gliomas, that malignant glioma. It's also called a high-grade glioma. might be called anaplastic astrocytoma or glioblastoma multiforme. These are aggressive, very malignant tumours, very serious tumours indeed, and we normally hope that the surgeon can remove them and then we can give radiotherapy and maybe chemotherapy. There's another group of gliomas, though, called low-grade gliomas. These ones aren't really cancer. They don't look like cancer under the microscope and they tend to be slow-growing. And if the surgeon can just remove low-grade gliomas, then often they can be cured. Unfortunately, some of the low-grade gliomas occur in locations where the surgeon can't remove them. So parts of the optic nerve, for instance, are difficult to operate on, and so they can't be removed. Still, we can often manage these, sometimes remove part of them, sometimes give chemotherapy drugs and stabilise them. And so low-grade glioma is one of the brain tumour types with a better outlook. Another type of glioma is something called a diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. Pontine pontine refers to a part of the brain called the pons. It's right down the bottom of the brain where all the electrical wires from the brain go down through the pons, down to the spinal cord and out to the arms and legs. So the pons is a very critical area of the body And unfortunately, there's a tumour type that can develop in this location and it's a malignant tumour and it can't be removed usually. And so it's a very serious tumour indeed. 
And that's one of the ones which we usually don't biopsy and treat with radiotherapy. And I'll do a whole podcast on this diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma, DIPG, a very serious tumour indeed. There are other brain tumours, less common are things called intracranial germ cell tumours. And then there's a whole bunch of other brain tumours that are all very rare, but we see them from time to time. So by now the surgeon usually has managed the acute emergency and has either biopsied the tumour or taken out as much of the tumour as can be safely removed or else it's a tumour that doesn't need an operation or won't benefit from an operation or isn't suitable for an operation. But by now we have a diagnosis what sort of tumour is present. So after a big operation, child normally needs to recover for several days And then we can work out, well, what do we have to do next? So first we have to know is what type of tumour is it of all those different tumours I just spoke about. Normally there'll be an MRI scan performed after the surgery to see, well, how much of the tumour has been removed and how much is left. And then we would usually do tests for many of the tumour types at least to check has the tumour spread to elsewhere in the brain We often do a spine MRI scan, uh, an MRI scan of the whole backbone and the spinal cord because some brain tumours can spread to the spinal cord. So with all of that, we're normally in a position to work out, well, do we have to do anything further or has the surgery been enough to cure this tumour? Sometimes, particularly with low-grade gliomas, surgery is all that's needed and if the tumour's been totally removed or mostly removed, Normally we don't need to do anything further but rather would go on and do scans every few months to check that the tumour hasn't grown back. With the malignant tumours however we normally have to add something to whatever the surgeon's done and it may be that we have to give chemotherapy drugs, you know cancer drugs or it may be that we have to give radiation therapy or it may be that we have to do both. And All of that's a very long and complicated discussion to go through to work out what do we need to do next. Now, I say it's long and complicated, but in many instances we have well-established protocols. We know exactly what to do, but to go through it all here right now will be a bit complicated. I think we'll go over it all disease by disease in separate podcasts. The main thing, of course, is we have to work out how to cure the tumour. How can we stop this tumour from growing anymore or from growing back again. That's the main priority. But we, with brain tumours, we have an extra priority. We have an extra consideration, and that is to avoid damage to the normal brain. The brain isn't like some other part of the body, like your arm or your leg, where we can perform surgery and radiotherapy and not be as concerned about damaging the surrounding normal tissues. Now, we're concerned, don't get me wrong. We're concerned about damaging any normal tissues anywhere in the body. But the brain in particular is very precious, and the brain in children is still developing, particularly in very young children. And so we have to be very careful to avoid damaging the normal brain, but at the same time give ourselves a good chance to cure the tumour. So the surgeon has to consider at all times the risk of damaging the normal brain while taking out the tumour. The radiation therapy doctor has to have the same consideration. Will the radiation affect the normal brain near where the tumour was? And chemotherapy, of course, can have 
long-term side effects as well. So these are big priorities in children's brain tumour management. Cure the tumour, avoid the long-term side effects. And like I said, I'll talk about it all in great detail. As for the chances to cure brain tumours, like I said, we have made a lot of progress in treating brain tumours, but we still have brain tumours where the outlook is poor. And so even though brain tumours are less common than leukaemia, the survival rates for brain tumours are not as good. There are some children's brain tumours, though, that have a very good outlook. We can be very optimistic that the tumour will be cured whether with surgery alone or with surgery and some other treatment like chemotherapy or radiotherapy. There are other tumours where we can be optimistic about curing the disease, but we really have to use very strong treatment to get there. And then there are some brain tumours where, right from the start, we have to admit that it's going to be a very difficult tumour to cure. Uh, there are still certain tumours like this. Children's brain tumours are an area of very active research, there's been a lot of new discoveries recently about the biology of brain tumours and we really hope that very soon we're going to have some new drugs and targeted drugs that can really home in on the tumour and leave the rest of the body alone. So to summarise, remember that brain tumours in children are different to adults. They get different tumour types completely. You mustn't generalise what you've seen or heard in adults to assume that that is what will happen in children. There are different tumour types when we talk about brain tumours in children. Some have a very good outlook. Some need stronger treatment. Some are still very serious despite our best efforts and so we can't generalise. Well that's where I'll stop today talking about children's brain tumours. Uh, I will talk about it all in great detail in subsequent podcasts. But thank you for listening in. Again, I'm Dr. Jeff. Bye now.